Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Podcast Rx Back weekly show where we talk about all our favorite trailers, all the news of the week. My name's Connor, I'm joined here by Ben. Hello. And we are still Georgeless, and I am still coming to grips with the fact that I have to do intros, which I'm not comfortable with yet. Also, the tech side of things, we've been sitting here for three hours. Um, it's, it's not been good. I'll be honest. It's, it's not been great. Um, if it wasn't one thing buggering it up, it was another. <laughs> um, but look, guys, we have, I'm not going to lie, a bit of a scant show today. <laughs> we, went, we were looking for news throughout the week, and it just wasn't an awful lot there. But we do have a little bit of information about the new Batman casting, um, and we've got some trailers. We've got Frozen 2, um, as well as some Netflix trailers that have come out as well. Um, even a Stephen King one, so we'll jump onto that soon. But as always, we'd like to start with what we've watched this week. Anything interesting? Any recommends or cool things? So Ben, why don't you start us off? Alrighty, um, I have just come out of the cinema. Actually, on my way here, I went and saw uh, Good Boys. Oh yeah, the also um, known as Twelve Year Old Superbad. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, it's basically about three three young boys in uh, entering the sixth grade. And uh, kind of coming to terms with that uh, that particular time of your life when um, a lot of things start changing, and you start um, very clumsily entering a more adult world. Um, this movie I really really enjoyed. Um, it was very funny throughout, but um, what really solidified it for me was how um, impossibly sweet it was. Yeah, because um, the comparisons to to uh, super bad or incredibly apt it's the same producers and everything um but because uh, that movie also had a, a really nice emotional thread to yeah, it yeah it did it was about you know michael Sarah and jonah hill as our best friends um and and this is is really similar in a lot of ways but being that the, the subject matter is these kids were so much younger it's it's even more hilarious <laughs> well yeah and and much sweeter like it's really cute it just Kind of being reminded of a of a world that that we are so far beyond at this point, yeah. um, that was much more naive and innocent in a lot of ways, and it was really nice to see. Obviously, this is a movie; this isn't like a a, a documentary. <laughs> but you know, you 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 hear a lot of of uh, kind of alarmist things about about the world that kids are growing up in these days with the internet and the social media, and it was really nice to see a movie where kids were still so recognizably just kids, even among all of this stuff in you know an r-rated comedy where they are doing things that uh would scare parents certainly but in a lot of ways it was also just really i don't know encouraging and, and nice yeah wow um, but I... but and yeah and as i said just also really funny yeah and the um just the 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 gimmick of these kids swearing their heads off never got old for me yeah i i don't don't know what it is about seth rogan lately where he seems to have found this niche of finding uh, I guess the genre of kids movies and mm. just adding a lot of really inappropriate <laughs> humor into it. I mean, mm. that was the whole um, sausage party oh, God, yeah. um, gimmick, which mm. was that they're going to do an animated film about food and, and all that kind of stuff. And everything pointed it towards being a kid's film and they just threw all the crudest humor you could possibly find into yeah. it. Um, which, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting gimmick to go for. Mm. Um uh, so I, I very much recommend that one. I also watched today uh, the Between Two Ferns movie. That's what a wonderful segue uh, to what I've watched as well. Um, yeah, so... What did you think of this? 
I thought it, had you watched the, the the series before years ago yeah as it was yeah. releasing um, back on funny or die um, and enjoyed that very much you know very short little, little it's a it's a very dry books. form of humor yeah um, that is kind of I'd say very divisive among audiences like mm. you either really love that kind of humor or you just absolutely hate it well, I didn't remember it being so just Zach Galifianakis insulting people that's what it i mean it's that's, that's all it was in this um in terms of it in was terms of, yeah i'm not saying it wasn't i just didn't remember it being yeah. that much that i just remembered him being more of a buffoon um where he just seemed like a, a serbic asshole or in this. <laughs> but yeah i thought the movie had a lot of like laugh out loud kind of lines and moments in it and overall was very forgettable yeah i when it this first got announced i was a little bit disappointed because I was kind of excited for Netflix to just do a series of his interviews, and to be honest, I don't, e- I didn't even really need it to be Netflix doing that. I, I always really loved when he came and did one of these interviews. He did one with Obama, mm. um, which yeah. is actually nuts. Mm. Um, but uh, I, I, I don't think it needed the narrative aspect around it. No. And it didn't need the kind of documentary style uh, gimmick that they that they added on to the interviews, yeah. which were funny in themselves. Mm. Um, you know, it, it did provide a couple of laughs, but overall didn't really seem terribly needed. No, not really. Um, like the amount of um, famous people who showed up for this thing is insane. Like, fantastic. I like Keanu Reeves is in there. John yeah. Hamm. Um, John Legend and Chrissy Teigen. Jason Schwartzman is there for like yeah, a two-second second cameo. I'm yeah. like, I haven't seen that guy in 10 years. Wait, hold on. Um, yeah, so good on him. I don't know how they convinced all these people to really do something so inconsequential, but um, whatever, I guess they had fun. Yeah, no, it looks it. And, and that's kind of, this seems to me to be like the perfect kind of Netflix film, which is I watched it, I had a couple of laughs. Mm-hmm. And then I will never return to it again. No. Uh, when I when I chucked it, because as soon as I realized it was already out, I, I was like, oh, cool, I'm going to watch that tomorrow. So yeah. I chucked it right on. I'm like, I was kind of excited as it was starting up. I'm like, hey, I'm finally going to have something nice to say about a, a Netflix <laughs> original movie. Did you really have high hopes for this? Not high hopes, but as much as I liked the, the original show, I thought if it was just more of that. And when it was that, it, I thought it was good. But then, you know, I that definitely kind of lost my yeah. interest here and, here and there. So I was like, I wanted to be able to be like, hey, this was really funny. And I'm like, yeah, it's whatever. It's whatever. Yeah, it is. It's very much whatever. It's the original stuff. Yeah. Um, was that all you watched? Yes. Cool. Well, um, I... God, this would be maybe even a year ago. Mm. I made my girlfriend watch A New Hope. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was... Star Trek? Yep. Yep. Um, <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she was very underwhelmed by it (laughs) which is not surprising because coming at it from like not having the the kind of uh, i don't know the nostalgia well the nostalgia but like if you're not watching it as a kid Mm. you're a little bit more critical of it Mm. particularly also the the time so i would have watched it early 90s which is not too far after when it came out so it wouldn't have it would have still felt relatively good in terms of quality um but coming to that you know what is close to now what 40 years later is not the best look Mm. and it kind of if you're coming at it without that 
level of nostalgia. It's very kind of, it's a stark um, viewing. Anyways, fairly underwhelmed. Um, so it has taken this long for me to get her to watch Empire. Mm. And I finally, on the weekend, got her to watch Empire. And this is the first time that I have seen Empire in many, many years. Mm-hmm. And I think this might be the first time that I have watched Empire with any digital changes. Right. Um, well, there's thinking, so many versions out there, I can't Yeah, keep th- track. this must be the most recent, like the Blu-ray release version. It's whatever is on iTunes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's it. Um, I didn't really find too many egregious changes mm-hmm. in this one. Empire, but what I did find was I forgot how bloody good Empire is yeah. as a film. It is really spectacular. Yeah, everything between between Luke and Darth Vader is, is so fantastic. Spot on. Um, you know, I was worried that this movie was going to feel... Like I was going to have to justify it with nostalgia, mm. but this thing holds up without it. I was like, I was so I was so happy that it was that it, it felt like a good film, mm. and that I I got out of it as much as I did when I used to watch it. Um, and uh, my girlfriend also enjoyed it. Whoa! So big step up from Win Win A New Hope, mm. and I was I was so psyched, so much so that the next day we watched Return of the Jedi. Wow. Which was... Ruined all goodwill. Yeah. <laughs> Not all goodwill. But there's a lot of good stuff in there. It's, I mean, there's a lot of really good stuff in there. Mm. Um, the, there's also a lot of Ewoks. There, look, again, haven't watched this in many, many, many years. Mm. And I'm of that generation that was kind of okay with the Ewoks mm. because... I grew up with that. That was just... But they never bothered me. What it was. Yeah. yeah. Right? And the Ewoks, even upon rewatching, wasn't... They weren't terrible. They Like, I mean... Uh, I can understand why people were upset by them, hmm. but I don't think they are the most egregious thing in that film. Whatever George Lucas did to that singing... <laughs> yeah. That... On, uh, on Jabba's barge. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. What the fuck? Jedi, Jedi rocks. I yeah, think. yeah. That that, that stuff was. is insane. With the 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 weird frog lady with the lips, and and the the dude with the the like the big teeth and the mm. it's just it's the CGI mess. Like, I was watching that and I was apologizing to my girlfriend. Being I was like, this was not say, in yeah. the original. I didn't. This know. is fucking weird. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. It was really unsettling, mm. and it made me want to sit. George Lucas down, look him in the eye and just ask, what the fuck were you thinking? <laughs> I just want an explanation. But, yeah, but not even aggressively, because I find it so fascinating. Like, actually, what were you trying to do? No, mine's aggressive. Yeah, fair, <laughs> fair enough. But, but I'm actually, I, I just find it so, fa- like, it, it has to be trolling. Like, he has to be fucking with everybody. I mean. He can't be that deluded. He's a smart guy. I, I don't know. No. Because I, I was I was looking it up, I was trying to find justifications for this shit, and mm. you know the main justification for him going back and adding things, or at least the the statement that he made about it was that oh I, you know he wanted to make the movie that he was either constrained by budget or time or or just technology. Mm. I was like, well, maybe wait a couple of years, because obviously you don't have 
either of those three things. <laughs> the, yeah, I just, it was absolutely shocking. Um, however, having said that, the things that this film does right are just really good. That final confrontation between Luke and Vader is absolutely spectacular, right up until they uh, added no. See, but that's what I'm talking about. So they, they actually add the episode three no yeah. into one of the original trilogy films. That has to be a troll. There's no way George it, well, Lucas I mean, doesn't know what that means when he does that. Yeah, I just isn't this so weird? It, it is bizarre, and yeah. and even the the final the final scene really bothered me because I I, I have such a, a clear memory of that final scene and the music in that final scene. Mm. And when I was watching, I was like, this this feels very off. Mm. And they were adding, um, adding scenes of like Naboo and Coruscant, Coruscant. Mm. and I was like, God, this is so unnecessary. And Hayden Christensen. <laughs> yeah, and then and Hayden Christensen shows up. I'm like, none of the other ones are young. Mm. Like you don't. You don't have Ewan McGregor sitting there. Mm. The fuck was the the thought behind that? Mm. Um, honestly, that just the the decisions that were made by Lucas on on those um, with those changes are just it, they're well beyond me. And again, I I sat down and I, I I was like I shoved my phone in front of my girlfriend's face. I was like, look, this is what it's meant to be. This is the original. Yeah. This is not the bastardized version of Star Wars. Um, which kind of brings me on to a point that I wanted to make, which is I hope. Disney Plus, mm. we have the option to have the original trilogy, dude. If if Disney Plus, it's all I want. Underperforms in any regard, I guarantee that is their their plan B. Is like, all right, original trilogy. They've got that in their back pocket. They're saving it for for when they need it. Um, we'll, I'm sure we'll see it eventually, anyway. But um, that is going to be a hell of a draw. Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah. I just I. Anyways. Anyways. Should we move on to the news? On to the news. I'm glad you enjoyed most of uh, of those movies. Yeah. Um, alrighty. First up, we've got a, a nice little um, box office update. Okay. Um, last week, a couple of big movies came out. Um, one we talked about, one we did not very much. Um, Ad Astra, Brad Pitt's new sci-fi... Uh, yep. Fancy, serious film. Um, our review's up for that. Interesting movie, interesting discussion. Check it out. Uh, hit about uh, 19.2 million for mm-hmm. its opening weekend. It's on an 80 to $100 million budget. Kind of met expectations. I don't think anyone was expecting too much out of it. Yeah. And uh, Rambo Last Blood hit just under that at $19 million, um, which is also at expectations and pretty decent on a $50 million budget, but um, worse for the series so far that's not overly surprising yeah it really does feel like interest isn't there and honestly just on a superficial level just seeing rambo without the the mullet and the the headband it's not rambo (laughs) that's just rocky (laughs) have you watched it (laughs) uh last blood no yeah um the reviews have been very poor the audience i mean has been responding to it pretty well i think no well the the last one uh which I also haven't seen. I've only seen First Blood. But um, the last film, everyone I think was a lot more on board with, critically and audience-wise. Um, but with this one even, the um, the original author of First Blood has just disowned the movie. He, he said, he, he, he the direct quote I think is, he's, he's ashamed to have his name associated with it. Wow. So, not good press. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty, like how bad would this movie have to be for him to this be the movie that he disowns the franchise with? Well, I think... Two, three, and four were so far removed from what the original Rambo was about yeah. that it's kind of like, 
now you're going to be all high and mighty. Well, from what I understand, horse. this one is not only um, opposed to the ethos of the original novel, but also just a much worse film. Um, mm, so I, mean. <laughs> I guess, um, I don't, for all I know, he said that about every other one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but The Weekend was won by The Dark Horse um, at $31 million. Downton Abbey, the yep. movie, fucking blew everything away. Um, Which, to be honest, I'm not over. That, that doesn't surprise me at all. Well, it, it it around doubled expectations, I think, which is pretty damn huge. Um, but no, it, it's a very popular franchise that I know nothing about. Nothing, except that it was mentioned in Iron Man three as something that Happy Hogan likes to watch, and I mm-hmm. think there was an actual clip in it. So I have seen some of it, but that's it. <laughs> By um, proxy, have you have you watched Downton Abbey? At the, at the, Never at the cinema. I I know, I know that it's a major pop culture kind of thing. Hmm. But I've never, I've never even seen a clip of it. I don't think. I know Dan Stevens, one of my favorite actors, came from there, so I, I guess I am grateful to it in some way. Yeah. yeah. No, I. The, and but it, it doesn't surprise me considering how, how, um, how large it is in popular popular culture. Hmm. Um, yeah. No, not not surprising at all. Um. Well, um so uh, soft opening for Ad Astro. We just mentioned uh, without spoiling our review. How 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 are your feelings on that one? Right uh, now? Not surprised. I, I I never thought that this money this was going to make money. Mm-hmm. This might. There's a chance that this will come through as a kind of a cult classic. Potentially, yeah, it'll be one of those ones like the best sci-fi films you haven't seen. Yeah, and and I think that this will be slow and steady, mm. but it won't have like we won't be coming back in a week and being like, whoa, Ad Astra had a resurgence or something like 20 million is, is the best it's going to do. If it makes back its money, I'll be fucking shocked. Yeah. Um, it was, it was a very bold choice throwing that much money at, um, but something so thought provoking. I, I always love it when, when studios do that. Yeah, um, totally. it's, it's why we have 2049. Mm-hmm. Um, and I absolutely love that film. Bit of a side note. We had someone that, um, brought up an interesting issue in the comment section of YouTube. I know yep. that's a, bit of a loaded statement but um the was it the it, fact that we're soy boy cucks yeah no it wasn't i we haven't had that in a while um we uh it was basically defending lion king by saying okay. that because it had made so much money because it's in like the top 10 um you know highest grossing films of all time that mm. that was by proxy like that was you know a certification of of quality that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and I lost my mind a little bit, and I actually went and oh God. found the... Like, I downloaded, like, the top 100 critically rated films from both IMBD, Rotten Tomatoes, Metacritic. By the way, some wildly different rankings on there. Hmm. But then also took the top 25 um, highest-ranked films in terms of uh, gross worldwide Mm -hmm. as well as uh, adjusted domestic Mm -hmm. and i was actually a little bit surprised to see how how few movies that are kind of critically in that upper echelon Mm. are also in the um, upper echelon of of money made Mm. and it kind of solidified the idea that money does not equal quality at all (laughs) most of uh, the the worldwide gross or the top like twenty five are franchise films, yeah, which pretty pretty solidly puts it as IP is king when it comes to making money. Totally, and the, and the marketplace is so much more global than it was even a couple decades ago that it really is all about 
recognizable franchises and stuff people stuff that you can sell to the majority of the world yeah. you know something that's going to play well in america something that's also going to play well in china mm. they're not state they're not saying anything too you know poignant or too aggressive mm. they're not making statements mm. they're just they're not political they're yeah not, they're not picking sides on um, anything <laughs> exactly right um so it, it it was just an interesting interesting point mm. um to to see how how little um similarity there is between high grossing films and high quality films mm. um so if if you want to um disagree with this in the comments we will dedicate five minutes to proving you wrong <laughs> i'm like that yeah <laughs> i had a, it was an excuse for me to get an excel sheet up i was like all right here we go <laughs> um all righty next up we have finally a bit of news about matt reeves the batman yep um bit of casting news which is exciting uh jeffrey wright is being looked at for the role of uh jim gordon we don't know if that's uh detective or commissioner or what have you and uh jonah hill uh, is rumored to be, be in talks for the role of the Riddler. So very up, interesting. First up, Commissioner Gordon, who we recently saw in uh, Justice League, played by J.K. Simmons. Yep, who got nice and shredded for the role, um, and had about a minute of screen time. Um, how do you feel about that, Jeff, uh, Jeffrey Wright from The Hunger Games? If you don't know him, um, Westworld. I, I think he's uh, perfect. I think he's uh, oddly enough. I think he's a really good pick for that. Mm, I'm so, just trying to think. He seems, in all the roles that I've seen him, he seems a little bit refined, maybe, mm. to be... I, I've, I've always kind of seen Commissioner but, Gordon as a bit more gruff. Or, well, yeah, yes, but also... Well, he's got that, that gravelly voice, at least, which is perfect for it. But also, he has that really world-weary and put-upon quality that I feel like... Like, he seems like someone yeah. who... He does this well. <sighs> yeah, and you just feel like, yeah. <laughs> hey, Jim Gordon, he'll be like... Um, and I, I think that's really going to suit the role. Um yeah, I, I I definitely think that that's a good casting show. I I, I also like it that because I would have never thought of it. Like mm. if you had asked me to to pick my top five Gordons, mm. I would never in a million years would have I picked him. And I think that that's that's really cool. Well, and Gary Oldman is so solidified in the role for yeah. for me and a lot of people, I assume, because um, he's made so, they make him such a central character in those Nolan films. Um, probably won't be going down that road again, but good pick. And uh, then, of course, Jonah Hill for the Riddler. Um, when I saw this story, it didn't mention who he was um, necessarily in talks for. My first thought was Riddler, because th I think that's um, for, it for seems, him the best pick. Yeah, so yeah. I think that's really cool. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think that uh, with Jonah... I, I actually really like Jonah Hill. Yes. Um, in terms of uh, not only just his comedic acting, but his serious acting as well. Mm, he's so committed. Um, so I... I'm usually pretty excited to see him in just about anything. Hmm. Um, for me, for better or for worse, the Riddler is always Jim Carrey for me. Yeah. Um, so that's a hard image to get out of my head, again, yes. for better or for worse. <laughs> and that's something in Gotham they did. They cast a guy who was just playing Jim Carrey as the Riddler. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've seen any of that, but it's, it's so uncanny. Um, whereas Jonah Hill, I think, would be a very different take on the character. Um He's, yeah, I don't see. I, I can't even think manic energy. I yeah, I can't even think about what it would be. Like I said, I'm having a really difficult time imagining a Riddler that isn't Jim Carrey esque. Yeah, I mean, well, there's so many options with Jonah Hill. Are you going to get a, a huge, giant, fat Riddler or a really skinny Riddler? <laughs> that dude balloons like crazy. The man, he's committed as fuck. I, I can't remember what I saw him in last, but he was looking like I think it was a trailer for something where he looked 
like almost jacked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, which is impressive. Um, apparently, this movie's going to have a lot of villains in it, so it's not like Jonah Hill's going to be like the main uh, nemesis. That's um, disappointing. Uh, well, no, not in that sense. I don't think they're going down that road. I think it's going to be more... I think it might involve Arkham Asylum to some capacity. Apparently, there's a lot of rumors they're also adapting uh, The Long Halloween, which is a really classic, cool Batman story. Um, and I think it would be more just characters popping up in a in a natural way, not... In a natural way. When has that worked? Uh, well, I mean, just in the sense of like fleshing this out, like this is a, a functioning Gotham with all of these different figures, um, kind of in the way I think the Arkham games sort of do, where there will be a main antagonist, but you'll also have other guys popping up into the story. But I mean, with a game, it's a very different medium. No, absolutely. Like you yeah. can have 30 hours of gameplay, mm. like there's multiple branches of stories that you can keep track of. Mm. A movie needs to be, by comparison, short and sharp. Um, and I'm trying to think, there's definitely, I'm sure there's examples out there where, um, you know, having multiple villains in one movie has been to the movie's benefit. And if anyone can think of them, chuck them in the comments for us, please. Mm. Um, I think, I think more of a comparison would be like, um, Scorpion in Spider-Man Homecoming or even, uh, Scarecrow in The Dark Knight Rises, you know, just kind of. Yeah, showing that these characters have a rogues gallery, and yeah, okay. they're sort of around, but that they're not the focus, um, which I think is cool. Batman's got such an interesting cast of characters. Yeah. My in my mind, when we're talking about like multiple villains, I'm thinking Spider-Man like three. three, three or more. Yeah, is kind of where I'm putting that. Yeah, so having a secondary character is fine. Mm. Um, three or more is is where I start to kind of, you know, get nervous. Let's say. Yeah, um, I'm keen to see that though. Matt Reeves, he's such a good, good yeah. dude. Um, next up in DC News, we have a new poster for uh, Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Um, now, this is our best look yet at kind of the whole cast of this and the vibe they're going for. It looks fairly reminiscent of Suicide Squad in a lot of ways. That's exactly what I was about to say. Yeah. This movie um, worries me. Mm. Um, it just it feels like they were trying to take what was comparatively successful from uh, Suicide Squad and expand upon that. And uh, that seems that seems like a really simplistic way to go about, you know, uh, making a movie. And it, it makes me think that they're not... There's the potential that they're not doing this for the right reason. They're just being like, okay, Harley Quinn was popular. Let's make a movie there. We need to... Um salvage yeah yeah i think um, that the, it, what is comforting about this film is that margot robbie is so heavily involved in the production yeah. of it mm. um, which uh you know gives me a little bit of faith that the character is going to be maybe not even the character is going to be done well by but like that the movie is going to have some level of integrity to it yeah um i have heard some some insane uh, script leaks about this movie that I won't reveal, but um, I don't know if they're true or not, but they point to um, a movie that could be incredibly divisive. <laughs> um, but I, I think there are reshoots happening as well, so who knows if any of that will even come to pass. Mm. But uh, just the basic premise of um, Harley Quinn, a character who I honestly have very little love for, um, with the Huntress and uh, the other character... I'm forgetting. Never mind. Um, and uh, Ewan McGregor is Black Mask. 
There's definitely promise there. I I yeah. like the the kind of colorful gangland Gotham stuff. Um, I hope they can kind of nail it because Suicide Squad was so unsuccessful in such a pile of garbage. Way. Yeah, so disappointing as well. Well, it wasn't unsuccessful in its marketing. No, that that worked out well because yeah. it did well in that. You can't you can't uh, can't blame it for that. Yeah. Um, anyway, DC's been on such an, an upturn lately. I really hope that this just keeps kind of continuing. You know, we had with Marvel that, that sense where they just keep going from strength to strength and you're like, yep. this has got to stop eventually. I, it would be nice to see uh, DC actually get on a roll like that because I think they're right on the cusp of it. Yeah. Anyway, and finally, we got some uh, some errant comments about a possible Princess Bride remake. Yeah, the CEO of uh, Sony um, was... I think dropped in an interview about how they're always getting asked to do remakes and and uh, revisit properties, and one of them that has come up is the Princess Bride. And mm-hmm. there was an uproar of people <laughs> yeah. that were like, "Don't you fucking dare!" Including most of the cast of the film. Carrie always. Oh my god! On Twitter said there are so few perfect films out there. Why try and ruin this one? Um, and it it just goes to kind of show, like, I mean, if they do it. It'll be a final nail in the coffin, I think, for, um, you know, kind of anyone in that industry pretending that they have a shred of integrity to them. Cause <laughs> so you're, you're a Princess Bride fan, aren't you? I am. A, well, I mean, I, I, I watched it a lot as a kid. Mm. Um, and I just think that for what that film needs to be, what it, what it says it is, for, for kind of everything about that film, it, it's such a... It executes on its own brief so well mm. that there is zero need in my mind at least to change it totally and so um yeah i i have little to zero interest in seeing them remake it Mm. i um i didn't grow up with it i came to it very late and it really did nothing for me but um i've had that happen before and then had the opportunity to see a movie in the cinema or something and and been like oh now i kind of get it so Maybe I'll I'll get a chance to at some point, but uh, yeah, it, it it's so of its time in so many ways. I find mm-hmm. a lot of those eighties uh, classics hard to go back to sometimes. I, oh I yeah, it, tried it, that. It, I think with the Never Ending Story, which so many people swear by as well, or the Goonies or what have you, and I'm just like, wow, this is garbage. <laughs> <laughs> which I did not think uh, of the Princess Bride necessarily, but uh, mm. it's just it doesn't kind of live up to the hype that everyone puts on it. Exactly, it's yeah. one of those things. Just you like, have to like this because it's a pop culture. Yeah, you like know. you were saying with Star Wars, it's like when you grow up with something, it, it frames it so differently yeah. than, than how anyone else is going to ever be able to see it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What time is it? It's trailer time. <laughs> Already. And because of our technical glitches, I don't have access to the show notes, so you're going to have to take it away this uh, this week. And you know what? I'm just going to wing it. You're just going to wing it? Yeah. I'm even going to change you the order. First crazy up, man, <laughs> you. we're going to talk about... A trailer just released for the uh, the Infinity Saga collection. Mm-hmm. So the MCU up to now, Iron Man through to Far From Home. Yep. Um, now, this was... It's a, a bad trailer. A very... <laughs> it's a bad trailer. <laughs> I, I thought it was I thought it was quite... Uh... This, I, I honestly thought this was a fan-made trailer. Really? When it, when it, I, it was a good, good fan-made trailer, yeah. bad professional trailer. Yeah, I I thought, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess uh, it's just seeing a lot of those moments kind of just works for me on some 
primal level that I wasn't even paying attention that it's hard. It's basically playing to the most basic of like gotchas. It's I, just an Iron Man over like a look. If this was from a technical standpoint, if it was executed well then I think this would be a fine trailer. We were watching kind of a low-quality, low-res sort of version of it, though. It's not Well, it's also it's the, the, mostly the sound mm. that just makes it very clear that this was not cleanly edited. Mm. Um, and that that bothers me, man. Like, when, when trailers just don't do that kind of shit, I'm like, fuck. <laughs> it's not... Like, I mean, it can't be that difficult. Um, I found the choice of uh, voiceovers interesting. You got Tony Stark at the beginning and uh, Thanos at the end, of course. But then you got Vision kind of has a chunk in the middle. That you know, a, that a couple is, of his different speeches. Yeah, that is still my one of my favorite speeches in all of the MCU. Uh, which one? Because he had the um, he had the one. Challenge. Oh, the the challenge chaos. No, the other one, which is um, you know a thing is not beautiful because, because it, lasts. it lasts. Yeah, there is there was a wonderful um, series of one video essays. Moment. One marvelous moment mm. and. Someone did that. So, yeah, if, if you're interested, go check out One Marvelous Moment. Um, it's a bunch of different YouTubers that have picked a single moment in the Marvel Universe and explained why it's their favorite Marvel moment. And I can't for the life of me remember which YouTuber did this particular essay, but they did it on uh, Vision's conversation with Ultron mm. um, right at the end of the film. And it is... I mean, the scene itself, standalone, is a really beautiful scene. But to have it kind of contextualized within, um, you know, what was going on in the background and also just kind of give it a little bit more explanation um, has really uh, brought something to the scene for me. Mm. It's, it's one of the best um, in, in the whole series of films. Um, I mainly wanted to bring this uh, trailer up, not because, obviously, the um, Infinity Saga box set is on the way, and that's very exciting for a lot of people, I'm sure. Um, but mostly because um, Disney's kind of announced that they're starting up the their um, Academy Awards push for uh, a few films, one of them being Endgame, which they're yep. doing Academy screenings for uh, right around now, I think. Um, so you you um, you were not uh, overly happy at uh, Black Panther being up for Best Picture, I, I recall. Uh, that's their only... That's the MCU's only, only stab at that so far. Um how would you want the Academy to look at uh, Endgame? Would you want that to be up for it? Um, oh God, I have to think about what's come out this year now. Well, even, even besides that, because uh, there were a lot, there were, there were some shit movies in I that think, year as well. I think Endgame is more deserving than Black Panther. Mm. I think Infinity War, out of all of them, mm. is probably the most deserving. More for a, from a technical and a like a. It's just a very impressive film, mm. um, which is which is what always kind of amazes me about both Infinity War and um, Endgame. It's just the sheer the sheer tenacity to attempt a film like that, mm. and the um, the capability to pull it off. Um, that alone, I think, makes it deserving of at least some kind of Oscar recognition. Um, yeah, I feel I feel like it's a hard sell to the Academy for. I, I know their demographics have changed a lot in in the very mm-hmm. recent years, but I feel like there's still probably a lot of people who don't follow these movies much whatsoever, and would sit down for this one and not 
necessarily have seen the others and be like, okay, whatever. Well, and that's certainly something that makes it difficult because this movie is not just a standalone film, mm, right? Totally. Like if you give the award to this film, you're you're kind of by you're kind of legitimate legitimizing the entire franchise with an Oscar as well. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of um, Return of the King, which you know killed at the Oscars mm-hmm. um, in the year it came out, and it, there was a sense that it was getting a lot of that for the achievement of the three films as a whole, because I don't think Return of the King is anyone's favorite Lord of the Rings movie. No, and I, well, I, but I think that that's kind of legit though. Like to to say that this this caps off a a series of films mm. that were to be fair shot all together mm. um the technical achievement of it is is effectively the same as the technical achievement of the first film mm. um so look if if endgame is nominated then i think the academy would have to look at it within the context that it is this kind of capping off of 20 some films which oh, is if it actually gets nominated they won't does. they won't even look at it at oh, all. Well, yeah, it'll yeah. be one of the one of the the pity ones they throw in. Yeah. Like how um like cuz when um when the dark knight got snubbed for for a nomination there was such an uproar that they they raised the number of nominations from 5 to 10 movies. Yeah, just that, so they could add in essentially, one yeah, just they throw were never in going some, to some popular favorites that that don't get don't get touched. Like District 9 um was nominated for best picture crazily enough and it never stood any kind of chance. Um but yeah, I it feels I don't, it would feel weird having like Dark Knight and like Logan not not get the the nominations, and then yeah, it, it feels weird seeing these MCU ones in there somehow. It never seems quite. It doesn't, right? Because the MCU is designed for a very specific thing, and it's to be entertaining. Hmm. It's not meant to like blow you. Yeah, I don't, it's like, I don't not meant to blow you. Yeah, no, that's not meant to do that. No, <laughs> that's different. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I don't think that. I, I yeah, I think it's more deserving of a of an Oscar than than um, Black Panther. Hmm. Oh, well, next up in um, Disney making billions of dollars, we have Frozen Two. Uh, the third trailer for this one. This movie just keeps evolving a lot every trailer has been so different from the last it looks wild it looks like quite an epic fantasy film yeah um very much so you know the first one was quite obviously just like uh more of a fairy tale fairy tale pretty stock standard for for disney Mm. um they seem to be ramping it up i I just it feels odd though to me at least Mm. none of these trailers have really really impressed me um, the the scope of them mm. has, and what it says to the story of of you know the movie has, but from a technical standpoint, these trailers just haven't really quite nailed it. Mm. I thought. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of the same. I'm not a huge Frozen fan. Um, the first one just kind of came and went like some of these animated movies do for me. Mm-hmm. Um, not not this, that bloody song that stayed around forever. Um, and, and yeah, these these trailers for this one, I'm not like I want to rush out and see it, but I do like to see them kind of expanding. It feels like they're kind of expanding what what they're doing with these animated movies. You know, it does yeah. feel like something a bit different. It does, certainly different to the first one. Mm. Yeah, this doesn't feel like another princess story or something. No, no, it doesn't. I mean, it it 
Yeah, I'll leave it at that. That's yeah. fine. <laughs> All right. So one that we may or may not be checking out. Um, onto uh, onto Netflix, we have a trailer for a, another Stephen King adaptation. Yeah. How many bloody books and <laughs> when novellas? When will they learn? Um, so this one's just based on a novella, In the Tall Grass. Mm-hmm. Um, cool concept. Yeah, a bunch of people get stuck, lost in tall grass, and shit gets real weird. Yeah, I kind of, I like I said, I like the 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 concept of it. I've always been a fan of the style of movie where it's quite claustrophobic. Um, I think it's always a risk, but it's a risk that I've always enjoyed mm. where filmmakers decide to keep the story in one setting mm. um, and quite a, 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 a small setting. Mm. Um, you know, there's a, a bunch of ones that are based off of plays where, you know, they it stays in, um, you know, one room or two rooms or something like that. But, yeah, and um, then it's just all about character dynamics. Yeah. One that, that is fairly divisive among people um, was a Ryan Reynolds film called Buried. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because that, that entire film takes place inside a coffin. Inside a coffin, yeah. yeah. Um, and I was surprisingly... Uh, I, I Like, I had quite a bit of fun with that film. Mm. I thought it was... I enjoyed it a lot more than a lot of other people. But I, I just liked the fact that the the filmmakers were like, yeah, let's just do an entire film where he's he's just buried. Yeah, so, so. this one's um, directed by Vincenzo Natale, who did uh, Splice and I yeah. believe Cube. Have you seen either of those? I have seen Cube. I have not seen Splice. I'm the exact opposite. Um, he seems to be good at making fairly uh, disturbing <laughs> yeah. kind of movies. Um, and apparently, this, from what I from what I understand of the the novella, um, goes to some pretty messed up places. Um, which he said he's kind of uh, retaining for the film. So this is kind of the most excited I've been for uh, any Netflix property in a while. Uh, I think his trailer looks really cool. I'm I'm quietly, I'm kind of a little bit hesitant because mm. Stephen King, uh, man, it's it's a tough thing to adapt, and we've seen filmmakers try to do it again and again and again and again, um, and it's kind of become almost this curse. It's like video game mm. um, films, so. I like the look of the trailer. It's that Stephen King badge of worry. <laughs> uh, yeah, funnily enough, Stephen King and Netflix have had a, a really good relationship so far. I don't know if these are completely Netflix-produced films, but 1922 starring Tom Jane and uh, Gerald's Game, of course. I'm pretty sure that 1922 was Netflix. Produced. Yeah, and they're, uh, well, Gerald's Game is terrific, and 1922 is really solid as well. So, I think yeah. this one... Could be a winner. Hmm. We'll just get like the Mike Flanagan types to just redo all the King films. That'll <laughs> yeah. solve it. I I think why not remake all those old ones? So many of them have aged, and most of them were shitty anyway. Um, and finally, we have uh, another Netflix series, uh, Raising Dion. Um, some kind of Is this a series. Yeah, I think I it's like it a, a nine nine or ten episode. Cool um, little mini series. Yeah, um, Michael B. Jordan. Looks to be barely present, but he's yeah. in it. He he's in there for marketing. He'll be in like may if he shows up in every episode, it'll be for like five seconds at the beginning. Yeah. Um, um. So he he's the absent father of uh, a child who's developing superpowers. Yeah. Is this hunted by the government. Yes. Reminds it looks like Jumper. Me of... No, I wasn't going to say Jumper. <laughs> this reminds me of is it a Michael Shannon film? Michael Shannon film. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Midnight. Midnight something. Midnight something. 
I always forget because you got midnight, uh, midnight cowboy and. Well, I would look it up, but <laughs> no internet. Um, the yeah, strikingly similar. Mm. Um, and I can't remember that movie to save my life. Yeah, kid turned out to be an alien or something. I don't know. That was one. It was one of those cases where, <laughs> where it was a director who I'd absolutely fallen head over heels in love with, um, and then as soon as that happens, then next film, I'm just like, oh, it's fine. Yeah, it wasn't. Well, wasn't as <laughs> um, good as Jeff, that. Jeff you know. Nichols, who, um, yeah. Apart from that film, I recommend everything he's done. He's amazing. Um. Uh. Yeah. So this uh, looks. It's. It looks what, interesting. It's a Netflix thing. It, that's the thing. It looks interesting, and I'm just like, uh, it's probably going to be really crap. <laughs> but I see. I don't understand where you get this. This idea that all, everything that Netflix puts out—I haven't out liked is crap. anything that Netflix has made. Did you like Mother? Um, Mother. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I like that. Uh, so yes, they are, they are fighting back against the tide. But this this is a, a kind of well worn trend that they've. But I mean, this is this is this is something I like about Netflix, mm. which is that they, more than any other studio I think I've ever seen, are giving. Um, content creators the ability to create mm. they are giving a platform for arguably some people that should never shouldn't make a film mm. <laughs> and they're letting them do that and they're taking a risk in that with that kind of original content and it's creating a lot of crap yeah mm. but you it's creating a lot of interesting things as well and i don't necessarily think that um you know between two ferns is a great film but i'm kind of glad that it was made I'm glad that I got to see Galifianakis do his shtick again. Um, and I got to like, you got to hand it, you know, that probably wouldn't have happened unless uh, Netflix picked it up. So I'd be perfectly fine if that hadn't happened, to be honest. I mean, like, do, do you regret seeing it? Yeah. Really? <laughs> Not like regret, but I could have done something else with my day. I wouldn't have, but... I would oh, be, well, then, then <laughs> I'd be more content if I had played two hours of Tetris instead of watching yeah. that. No, 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 I just, I, I think that Netflix is taking, particularly around sci-fi mm. and, and some of those kind of like areas that you can, or some of those genres that you can do wackier things with. Yeah, what was um, it? Maniac? Was that the... They've, they've got a series called Maniac. It's about like a, 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 a detective that is, is seeing things, isn't that? I don't know. I, the, Anyways. It's so forgettable. I think that that uh, there are a lot of people that are are far too harsh on Netflix, you included. Mm. That I don't think it deserves that kind of rap because they yeah, put out I, some really man, good if content. If they start making stuff I enjoy, I will I will happily pay pay up to it. But um, did you ever watch The Outlocking? No. Set of interest? No. Oh no, that. If you don't, if you don't watch them, then... I wouldn't have liked that one. <laughs> That's true. I don't watch a lot of their stuff, to be honest. But um, yeah. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Question of the week. Question of the week. Yeah. Now this is from Stephen Lagrisley from YouTube. Uh, his question is: Which previously failed film attempt would you like to see given a second chance under which director? For example, Dragon Ball, directed by Taika Waititi. Now that is already a very interesting suggestion. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, also, I would not like to see Dragon Ball by I Taika maintain, Waititi. Sorry, George. I just don't see any way that they could ever adapt that to live action. Um, but yes. I do have one mm -hmm. that I mentioned on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, I think, which was um, Aragon. Aragon. Oh, Aragon, yeah. Um, which is a, a film with like Jeremy Irons and some other people mm. that came out probably close to 10 years ago. Does that sound about right? 15, maybe? 
Definitely not 15. I was in Australia when, when it came out. I think it was 20. Um, (laughs) I'm going to look it up (laughs) (laughs) That movie was such a Disappointing pile of shit So you you read the book yeah? Yeah And I I, I like that style of book So I was was pretty keen to see this Come to life on the screen Mm. It was just so bad That I would I would love them to To wipe that slate clean And try it again Um, In terms of director See that one I find Is really tough Mm. Adapting a book to to live action, you know, you don't necessarily want. You have to really pick the right director because you don't want them to put too much of their mark on it. Because it's not like a Tarantino film can be a Tarantino film because he's written the script, he's crafted this thing from you know the genesis in his mind onwards, mm. and and you know you're like okay good this this all feels congruent. Having like for example, Nolan do a fantasy f- like with existing property like that, I feel like would be super fucking weird. Yeah, I mean, even with uh, like Batman, like that was a non-traditional take. He, that was yeah. more a Nolan movie than a Batman movie. Exactly, right? So I think that... You need someone I, talented without too much of a, a personal brand. I think so, yeah. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, the name that springs to mind... And it's probably not a good choice. Mm-hmm. It, it's Peter Jackson because of what he did with Lord of the Rings, and effectively, Aragon is just a ripoff of Lord of the Rings, anyway. So, but um, couldn't be worse than The Hobbit. It, well, I mean, surely, right? Or The Hobbit two and three. I was about to say, like, you're like, could be worse than The Hobbit. I was like, have you seen the rest of them? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think that he would probably be a, a good pick for that. Um, you know, it'd make me a little bit sad that he would have been typecast into that, but at the same time, hmm. he's not doing anything else really that great, so no. we can um, <laughs> get into it there, Peter Jackson. What was that movie um, he produced this year that London is a car? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we didn't see it. Maybe it's great. Um, Aragon came out in 2006, so we were both wrong, but I was less wrong. <laughs> what did I say? You said 10 years ago. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so my answer is... Uh, maybe a little bit of a cop out, um, because I, the, the 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 unproduced movie that I am dying to see that I would travel to an alternate universe to watch is George Miller's Justice League. Um, it's not really the question, but uh, well, it's a failed production, and I'm saying who I would like to direct it. It's fair call. It's George Miller, like that movie, got so far that was cast. The costumes were done. Actually, no, you're right. You're, that is the question because you're talking about Justice League being the failed. Yep. movie yeah okay sorry my and bad. also the justice league they released i would say is a failed movie <laughs> that's what i'm saying it's a failed movie yeah. right yeah um so yeah i just the idea of the the guy who directed mad max fury road making um pro- pro- possibly my favorite uh, uh fictional universe come to life uh it would be wild is something to every time i watch or read something justice league related that is you know of any decent quality which the movie was not <laughs> so astronomically far from. I I get so sad that <laughs> we're so far from seeing that realized uh, cinematically. Like much as much of an MCU fan as I am, uh, for my entire adult life, I've been so much more about DC mm-hmm. um, than the Marvel characters. So the idea of having something of that that quality um, of the characters I kind of care more about um, in in my bones. It's so tantalizing. Yeah. 
And so devastating when they don't do it right. Absolutely. Yeah. Any other uh, properties that didn't didn't really kick off mm. or, or didn't didn't do well? You just like them to scrap and anything for you. What was a bad film that I watched? Nah, that that's got to be it for me. Oh, actually, like I mean, in that vein of what I was talking about before, mm. The Hobbit. I'd love to see um, them scrap that and give um, Del Toro the reins for what he was originally going to do. Mm. Um, I think that uh, my I w- originally I didn't want him to touch it. I wanted Peter Jackson to go back. Yeah, I and was do the same. it. Um, and remember, I think remember that, when it got announced, and we were like, "This is good news." Yeah, <laughs> I think had that happened where he had enough time to do it with the same kind of love and quality and attention that he did mm. with the Lord of the Rings. I think it would have been a very different story. So maybe even, you know, The Hobbit with Peter Jackson. As with, one film. As one film, damn it, one, Peter. Maybe two. One but, film. <laughs> but, but with a, an adequate amount of time to actually prepare and to to properly go through the script and, and mm. not be a fuckwit. And shave 15 years off Ian McKellen. Yeah. It's getting a bit tough now. Um, that would, you know, in a perfect world, I think that. But also at this point, just knowing what we have from Peter Jackson... Uh, del toro i think would be a really interesting, interesting definitely yeah. um take on on that uh yeah. small little uh story hmm. well i guess that's it yeah that that <laughs> does it for me <laughs> well that's the show for this week um sorry for the lack of news um not our fault believe it or not never is hmm. anyways we're back next week with george this time We'll be reviewing Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, one of our most anticipated films. I've been, I, I feel like that. I've been waiting for that for so long, mm. and it's really bothering me that it isn't out yet. So close. I know. I'm really excited to see that. That's and uh, kind the of... Dead Don't Die comes out on the same day, so it'll be... Oh, does it really? If you want to check out, yeah. yeah and yeah. we'll also be I seeing... I heard very meddling um, things about that. <laughs> yes, me too. <laughs> Which means we'll probably like it. Yeah, excellent. Um, and Gemini Man is also very soon. We'll have a review for that in no time as well. Yeah. Exciting times ahead. Anyways, well, thanks everyone for watching and listening on the podcast and uh, be sure to comment below with any questions that you guys have that we can answer them on the podcast. Um, And as always, feel free to like us on Facebook um, and Instagram and all that lovely channel shit. And don't forget what we say every week. We like movies. We, (laughs) our old catchphrase that we always have. (laughs) All right, everyone. Thanks, Ben. See ya. Bye. Bye.